Welcome to the prolific teaching ministry of Pastor Emmanuel Iren, lead pastor of Celebration Church International. It is his vision to partner with you for your progress and joy in the faith. Ready, set, grow. Glory to God. Now turn your Bibles with me, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10. You see, every church or every local assembly that has the semblance of an apostolic assignment like we do, having branches in different places, they have an assignment. They must adopt the strategy of Paul. And talk like Paul talked. And be responsible like Paul was responsible. And Paul said this to the church at Thessalonica. He said, night and day, I'm praying exceedingly that we may see your face and perfect that which is lacking in your faith. That we may see your face, face and perfect that which is lacking in your faith. You see, as the Lord expands us as a ministry... And we have more branches. This becomes an even greater reality. Because the reality has dawned on me that I cannot be everywhere every time. And it's something that every member of this church must embrace. You must give me the permission to move around to do what God has asked me to do. But that yearning is still strong in my heart. Night and day. Can't wait to see you to complete what is lacking in your faith. And here is the thing. See, you need to pay attention. There are different dimensions to apostolic ministry. And let me use metaphors. From a particular perspective, a teaching ministry or an apostolic ministry is like food. And, and as far as food is concerned, you need balanced diet. You need to have a little of everything. How does this apply to us? Through a teaching curriculum and syllabus. And you just want to make sure that at the end of the year or two years, you have covered some major topics. However, sometimes the word of God is not just food, it's medicine. And when you go to a doctor, the doctor doesn't want to give you balanced diet of all doses of medicine. That's not his goal. He must carry out a diagnosis first. And he will only give you what you need. Did you hear what I just said? And so it's two different perspectives to balance that I'm introducing to you. Someone gave a very brilliant illustration, Pastor May. is her name. She was live one day and I just tuned in and she said this. Many times our picture of balance is a vehicle. Standing on four tires. And that's true. That's correct. Every teaching ministry must cover some major topics so that everybody is well grounded. However, sometimes the picture of balance is a speedboat. And sometimes when you are um, surfing, the pressure is more from a particular side. And if the pressure is more on the right you are actually going to emphatically turn the boat to the right so that it can be balanced. 
And it's very ironic that you are emphasizing a particular area, but in doing so, you are bringing balance. Do you understand what I just said? So here is the thing. Jesus writes to seven churches in the book of Revelations, and all of them were unique. There is a general message for the church. Every church needs to learn the true message of the gospel. Learn more about charismatic ministry. Learn about evangelical ministry. But from experience, anyone who has been pastoring for a while knows that some needs are specific to some geographical locations. So, Macedonia is not struggling with generosity at all. But Corinth is. Corinth is not struggling with utterance at all. But they need to do better with generosity. It's just the nature. And you, you just look at the churches in Revelation chapter 3 and you see the same thing in verse 17. Jesus is writing to a church. He says, because you say, Revelation 3, 17, I am rich. I have become wealthy and I have nothing. But you do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. So there's a particular church that is so blinded by their material wealth, and they're like, oh, I'm rich, you know. So, I hope you know that in every civilization on earth, there are some places where you find more wealthy people. Isn't that true? So, this kind of church was that kind of place. You guys are so full of yourself. You, you always say, I have money. He says, but you don't know that you are blind and wretched and miserable. But then there is another church. Revelations 2.9, it says, I know your works, your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. Now, in, that, <laughs> in this particular location, they don't really have money, but he said you are rich. And it looks like it's a very different message. In fact, the message is opposite. God says to one church, you are poor. And he says to another church, you are rich. And I'm, I don't want to really go into the nitty gritties of that. I'm here to talk about emphasis, the importance of it. So all the teachings today will be on prayer. Praise the Lord. So today, I'm going to be doing a three-part teaching that I've titled Praying by the Spirit. Praying by the Spirit. Praying by the Spirit. I have to... Simple objectives. Number one, to emphasize the importance of building a private and a public prayer life. I'll take that again. To emphasize the importance of building a public and a private prayer life. Number two, to help you see how the Holy Spirit helps us pray. To help you see how the Holy Spirit help us pray. So let me talk quickly on the first one. The importance of building a public and a private prayer life. You see, I've discovered many Christians struggle with this. They struggle with this. You might be very active in the workforce and struggle in your prayer life. You may even have the privilege to get up here, lead a prayer once a while and still be struggling in your private prayer life. And what's worse is that we don't want to talk about it because people are going to see us in a particular way. We've become used to acting 
And here is the dangerous part. When we are together with everyone, we pray well. And so people don't even know that we are struggling in our private prayer life because we pray in the presence of others. If they knew, they would possibly have helped us. But they don't know. Because when people are there, we pray. And there is a simple and a more complex reason for that. Well, simply, um, seeing other people pray just encourages you to pray. And I can understand that, I mean, every one of us would likely pray better when other people are there. But there is also the place for a private prayer life. It's so important. It's one of the important things you learn from Jesus. Do you know that Jesus never prayed with his disciples? And I'm not saying it is right. There are many reasons you can think of. They were definitely not, not at the same level at the time. But it's a different thing for the saints in the body of Christ now. We all have the Holy Spirit. We can pray together. We can have fellowship, communion in the Holy Ghost. All right? However, it just teaches you from the emphasis in Jesus' life, the importance of a private prayer life. And let me tell you this, if you pray well in public and you don't pray as well in private or you don't pray at all in private, it might be symptomatic of something very serious. I want to read to you a text. Look at Matthew chapter 6 from verse 5. Matthew chapter 6 verse 5 to 6. You see, you see in meetings like this, you don't just take home... Um, a spiritual experience. You take home training. It is the training that makes it sustainable. The training will make whatever experience you have here replicable and sustainable to make it stand the test of time. So I want you to pay attention to this teaching. Matthew chapter 6 verse 5. It says, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. So hey, hypocrites pray. There are prayerful hypocrites. Who are they? He says, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corner of the streets that they may be seen by men. As surely I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room and when you have shut your door, pray to your father who is in the secret and your father who sees the secret will reward you openly. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> like I said, for some of you, it's not that deep. You just pray better when other people are around because they help you pray better. But for some other people, subconsciously, they pray better when other people are there so that they don't look bad. And Jesus says, everyone who does this is a hypocrite. A hypocrite will pray when people are watching. But will not pray in his closet. And I want to say, in the most respectful but honest way possible, don't be a hypocrite. Build a private prayer life that is as authentic and as fervent as your public prayer life. Listen, if you pick this one, we are good to go. Build a private prayer life. A 
as authentic and as fervent as your public prayer life. And the truth is, your private prayer life will always influence your public prayer life. People who pray well at home are more likely to pray in church because there's already a stair. And so when we come together, we flow better. Jesus calls it hypocrisy to pray in public and not pray in private. Don't be a hypocrite. This is what people who struggle in their private prayer life don't know. They don't know that God sees all things. They might know it in their head, but they're not conscious of it. God is with you. Well, if you would pray as often as you know someone is watching you, how about you know that Jesus watches you all the time? It's a consciousness to have. That, listen, he says, in your private place, God sees. This consciousness will change your prayer life. That God sees. When others don't see me, when I'm behind closed doors, God sees. His eyes are there. Like the psalmist said, where will I go to escape your gaze? It says, if I put my bed in hell, your eyes are there. God sees. It will change your prayer life to know God is always watching. Let me tell you this. Imagine you saw, you could see God physically 24-7. I bet you, you will pray 24-7. I mean, think about the 24 elders. Have you ever imagined what it is or what it would be like for your life's ambition? to be worshiping, and you're not like, uh, you're not checking the clock that have been saying holy, holy, holy now, six hours, you know? There is no other place to go. No soap opera to catch up with, you know, nothing. You, you are content. There, there is no night and day, so you are not even calculating time. For eternity, you are casting down crowns. And worshiping his majesty forever. Let me tell you something. As hard as it is to imagine that in this time and in this space, if you see Jesus, if you see God, let me tell you something. There is nothing more beautiful to gaze at. Nothing. Have you seen something nice and you just have to take a step on stair? Maybe a nice vehicle, a nice house. If you gaze at God, you will worship. And you will not be tired. Hallelujah. But you don't have to wait till you see him. You can start developing that consciousness now. That God sees the secrets. And if I pray in secret, he will reward openly. Hallelujah. Are you getting this? Say that with me. Say, if I pray in the secret... He will reward me op openly. You don't, you don't have to update your WhatsApp status. <sighs> I just finished praying one hour. People can know without you telling them. Hallelujah. I remember years ago, I think it was 2010, I, I saw Pastor D, we attended the same school. 
and she was walking past and she just gave a sigh. <sighs> you know, a man of prayer knows that sigh. I said, come, 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 come. <laughs> Where have you been? She said, I just finished praying. I know that sigh. There's a sigh of, if you don't know what I'm saying, you will know it by the time we're done. The sigh means, where's, where's the devil now? There's a sigh. I know it. Manoko venenia nakosophase. Did you hear what I said? I asked her and I was right. She had been praying. He said, when you pray in private, God will reward you openly. Can you expect open rewards today? Hallelujah. That by the time you are done in this place, as you step out, testimonies will start rolling in. Did you hear what I said? Testimonies, things will change. I mean, it always amazed me about Jesus' early ministry, how someone will come to him to talk to him about someone who is sick at home, and he will say, go. She's healed. And they will calculate the time. They said, at the hour he said, go, the person was healed. Ah -ah. I learned Studying the ministry of Jesus that you can cast out demons from a distance. The Syrophoenician woman was complaining about someone possessed of a demon. All Jesus said was, don't worry, go. Eh? The demon heard it, miles away and checked out. Ah. Wow. See, I'm telling you, you will get back home to see changes. Yeah. Say amen like you believe. The word of God will travel as you pray. It will travel. It will travel. It will cross borders without a visa. Even if the person you are praying for is not in the country, it will travel. It will hit them. Hallelujah. I remember in school, gave his word of knowledge. I didn't even know that the person in question was not in the country at all. This lady, her mom was in Kenya. I said, I see in a vision, one of you, your mom is blind. I see the Lord touch her right now. In Kenya, she was lying on a couch. The TV was on, someone else was watching. And then all of a sudden, one eye popped open, she could see it. Kenya. No visa application process. See, the word of God will travel on your behalf. It says, it's something to expect. It says, if you pray in private, God who sees the secrets will reward you openly. What a mentality to have. I want to dwell on this because it's an expectation to have. That God who sees the secret will reward me openly. So it's okay to expect something to change. We are not here just for religious calisthenics. We are here for impact, for power. Say loud, amen. amen. God, who sees the secret, he said, will reward openly. That's my song when I'm done. <laughs> Open rewards. Open rewards. 
of healing, of favor, of direction, open rewards. God who sees the secret will reward me openly. God who sees the secret. Maybe that's why you don't pray enough. In your head, you believe prayer works, but you've not proven it. Ah, if you pray and it works, you will pray again. So it's a mentality to have. God who sees the secret will reward openly. Say thank you, Jesus. And there is a type of reward that people are not as accustomed to as they should be. Thank God for healings. Thank God for the infilling of the Spirit. Thank God for all of that. But there is one that is very important in our day that you must learn. Very important, especially in our day. Prayer is not only always about requests. The beauty of prayer is not just what it can do for you, but what it does in you. Prayer is a strategy for soul maintenance. Did you hear what I said? If you're a person of prayer, you will never lose your mind. Take what I'm saying. If you're a person of prayer, you will never lose your mind. Listen, we're living in a time where it takes bravery just to exist. Life can be so overwhelming. The trials of life, so overwhelming. The pressures, financial pressure, relationship pressure, you know, all those things. If you're not careful, you'll keep carrying burdens every day. And it'll come to a time you get overwhelmed. You just have an outburst and maybe a breakdown. Prayer is one strategy for soul maintenance. With prayer, you can keep your soul in check. Science might not have discovered it, I'm telling you now. It is the most powerful antidepressant known to man. Prayer. Let me tell you something. No matter who you are, if you don't pray, you'll be overwhelmed. It's the nature of life. It's the nature of life. Anybody who doesn't get overwhelmed does not really know what is at stake. Just the very existence. When I heard that the earth re revolves at a speed of, I think, 12,000 kilometers per hour, something ridiculous like that. Ah! I said, well, I for who no believe in God, though? That we're just in space, rolling, and nobody's in charge. <laughs> if there's no God, be afraid. Be very afraid. But see, so life is challenging normally. And Jesus, even Jesus in the incarnation was not exempt from that. I want to show you something. Look at Matthew chapter 26. Have you ever had an experience where you are so overwhelmed? Have you ever heard someone say, I feel so overwhelmed, it's as if I'm, I'm about to die. Have you heard someone say something like that? 
And I know religiously you say, don't talk like that. You shall not die but live. <laughs> and you might have a point. We shouldn't confess things like that. But Jesus was pushed so much emotionally, he talked like that. I need to show you. Matthew 26. Are you learning anything? Oh, man, he may Verse 38. Matthew 26, verse 38. Can you read this together? One, two, go. Can you read like you're alive? Come on. Hold on there. Then he said to them, my soul is exceeding sorrowful. I, I feel so sorrowful. It's about to kill me. This is emotional pressure. I feel so sorrowful. Jesus said that. My, my soul, I'm, I'm just overwhelmed. There is a weight, there is a burden. But look at this. My soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death. Jesus had that experience. Oh, you think you know emotional pressure? Have you ever experienced so much emotional pressure that your sweat becomes like droplets of blood? Or you have not read that in your Bible? Or what did you think was happening? It's actually a condition of stress. Hematidrosis. Hematidrosis. That's what it's called. All right? When the capillary blood vessels that supply your sweat glands, they just rupture because of emotional stress. Someone was so stressed, his sweat turned to blood. You've not seen that. You think you had a bad breakup and your sweat was still intact. You think you're going to trouble in the office, your sweat was still intact. Jesus said, my soul was exceeding sorrowful unto death. And you could tell from his visage. You could tell from his sweat. This is real pressure. But then, Jesus responded different from how many of us respond. What did he say next? My soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death. He says, stay here and watch with me. Watch with me in prayer. So Jesus considered prayer a strategy for keeping his soul in check. Let me tell you something. Do you know that by the time the soldiers came, by the end of the night, they didn't see a weak Jesus? He was ready, so couldn't you sick? It is I. You know, so confident, not ready to fight, very ready to follow. This is the strategy for making sure you never lose your mind. So what happened between the time where he was saying, my soul is exceeding sorrowful unto death, and he felt like he was about to give up, and he was even praying, let this cup pass over me. And hours later, the same Jesus was like, let's go. Let's go. Peter wanted to defend. He said, no, picked up the air, put it back. Let's go. Hallelujah. Now that's how to handle anxiety. I want to encourage you to do that today. Okay? 
Some of you are overwhelmed. How about you adopt this strategy? Pray. And here is something you need to know about this type of prayer. It's very frustrating. You know how God responds to this type of prayer many times? With silence. Listen, all the while Jesus prayed, Jesus prayed three times. Did God respond? <laughs> so what are you going to say about that? Maybe Jesus did not really know the nitty-gritties of prayer. He didn't follow the principles right. He didn't say the right words. Is that what you think? Why didn't God answer? Because God answers to prayers like that with strength, not with a reply. He responds with peace. He responds with peace. The Bible says the angels of the Lord strengthened him. That's what he needed. That's what he needed. Because can I tell you something? If not for the stress, he won't even ask what he asked. <laughs> he won't even ask what he asked. It's because he was overwhelmed. And sometimes at that time, even in our prayers, we say the wrong things. And God replies with strength. See, look at Philippians 4, 6. I want you to see something. You probably know this already, but it's so important. And in this context, is something that we must look at again. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. It says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer. You see, prayer is the strategy for handling anxiety. So maybe you're here, uh, you're just so overwhelmed with all the burdens in your life currently. Or um, you don't know what way to go, what way forward. Or God has told you something to do in the future. You don't know how to go about this. He says, be anxious for nothing. Instead, he says, by prayer. Prayer is a strategy for soul management. This is so important. In everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And you know, when we think about request, we think about reply. But instead, this is what he says next. He says, and the peace of God... This is God's reply. And the what? Which what? <laughs> we'll do what? This is how to handle your hearts. It says peace will handle your hearts. When you pray, peace will handle your hearts. When you pray, the peace of God will keep your heart, will guard your heart, will protect your mind. I'm telling you, when you pray, you will never lose your mind. This is what the word of God says. And the peace of God that passes all understanding <laughs> will keep. Greek word means garrison, protect your heart and mind. Say loud amen if you believe. Amen. Handle anxiety in this meeting. Move from saying, ah, I feel so overwhelmed. The pressure is, it feels like the pressure is killing me. And move to that person who is so bold. So you can rise in boldness in the place of prayer. Rise. You can suppress timidity. You can suppress anxiety. You can. 
Hallelujah. And now I want to remove, move to the next objective I told you. To help you see how the Holy Spirit helps us pray. Once again, the theme is praying by the Spirit. So this morning, how the Holy Spirit helps us pray. I'm going to talk on, or let me give you all the three. I will talk about one now the second in the afternoon, the third in the evening. The first is he helps us cry, Abba, Father. He helps us cry, Abba, Father. The second, he helps us closer, Lalea. I'm going to explain it. That will be afternoon session. He helps us closer, G-L-O-S-S-A, Lalea, L-A-L-I-A. The third, he helps us cry Maranatha. This is a school on prayer. So first, he helps us cry Abba Father. Look at Romans chapter 8 verse 15. Romans chapter 8 verse 15. This is a text that has been used, you know, for many subjects like Christian identification or the consciousness of righteousness or even the consciousness of adoption. But seldom do you hear this as a text for prayer. And it has a lot to do with prayer. It says, Romans 8, 15, it says, for, you, for we did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but we have received the spirit of what? Adoption, that we may cry out. You've not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. But you've received the spirit of adoption. The Holy Ghost is called the spirit of adoption. What does adoption mean? When you hear about adoption, what do you think of? A process by which you become someone's child. And that's what the Holy Spirit represents. Of the many things that the Holy Spirit represents, his functions in our life, one major thing to know is this. When you receive the Holy Spirit, that's how you become a child of God. He's the spirit of adoption. So to, to become a child of God is to receive the spirit of adoption. That's what it means. And this is so important. And that signifies so many things. It's a seal of God's acceptance. You never doubt that God has accepted the person in whom he dwells. It's a seal of acceptance. And, you know, there's so many angles and so many benefits to this. You can, this is a good text for righteousness, consciousness, and a lot of other things. But what I want to emphasize right now is how this experience affects our prayer life. We've received the spirit of adoption. <laughs> oh my God. Let me ask, let me help you realize what is happening here. Before the advent of the spirit, people were already praying. Are you aware? The Jews prayed. Before the Spirit of God came, they prayed. They knew how to pray. The Bible talks about it in Genesis chapter 4 thereabouts. It says people began to call upon the name of the Lord. That's where prayer started. So prayer is an age-long principle. And because we are spirit beings, it has even filtered into different religions. And so even if some people don't even know who the true God is, somehow you just say prayer. Reflecting in different cultures. 
I wish I had enough time to talk about that. However, now, at the advent of the Spirit, it says that spirit of adoption helps us cry, Abba, Father. So the context of prayer has changed. Before the spirit of adoption, you were talking to God as creator. Oh, sir, you know, if you could do this for me, I'll be very glad. I don't know if you have any relationship with a powerful person. Maybe your boss at the office is very powerful and influential. How do you relate with powerful people? You know, you want to be careful. You want to be, you know, and all of that. And just imagine, as you were talking to your boss, very cautious and all of that, his daughter or his son walks in. He might not observe any of your protocols. Are you getting what I'm saying? So, two different people are approaching the same person in two different ways. One wants to be very careful and after every sentence is putting sir, you know. But your son will not come to, the, to, to you and say CEO. <laughs> he, won't call you, he won't call you CEO. He will call daddy. The protocols are different. See, adoption. The, listen, don't forget what we're talking about. How the Holy Spirit helps us pray. The Spirit of God has changed our approach to prayer forever. Because now, the God of the universe omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent is my daddy. And so there is a kind of informal approach that I have. I come to, it changes everything. A staff requesting a financial raise and a child requesting for his fees to be paid are two different things. So now, as you're here, maybe there are things you want God to do. And your consciousness, whilst you pray, is God can do it now. That's what I'm asking. But it's a totally different consciousness in prayer to say he's my daddy. Listen, you might know it in your head. It's a totally different thing to carry the consciousness in prayer. That the Holy Spirit helps us cry, Abba, Father. I like that phraseology. It was not translated for a reason. I like the repetition. Father, Father is what it actually means. And I wish I had enough time to talk about that. And the force is left in Aramaic. You know, but, uh, you know, I heard a Bible teacher talk about this, you know, a long time ago. And it was so profound what he said. He said, if you study that word, there is no etymology to that word. If you check the real history of that word, it's not coherent. It's not the real actual way to call father. It's more informal. It's more imperfect. It's just like, hi. Follow me, follow me, follow me. It says, he helps us cry. The allusion is to the response of a baby. The instinctive response. The dada. That's what he's saying. Babies have different ways to call daddy. They may never call daddy. Some will say dada, dada, you know, but you will know what they are saying. It's talking about an instinctive, the Holy Spirit instinctively 
helps us gravitate towards God as someone who is our father and who is ready to respond to us. A child, a baby does not need to be articulate. Anywhere a mother hears the child's cry, all her responses will... Do you understand what I'm saying? That's what he's trying to... The picture is trying to paint. That prayer can be a cry. And that's something that this church needs to learn. When I said you guys need to pray better, maybe you were like, oh, we pray now. Right. Must we? Must we? <laughs> but, but there is a Bible description of prayer that you must learn. Now, this one talks about a cry. Meaning it has to be emotional and audible. Maybe not all the time. But learn to be emotional and audible when you pray. Because in prayer, it is not a boardroom meeting. It is a family engagement. You have to understand. You are dealing with someone with whom you have an emotional tie. There is a tie here. That's daddy you're talking to. And what you are praying about must touch you enough. It's a law in the spirit. If what you are praying about does not touch you, any prayer request that does not change you first will not change. Any situation, it must touch you first. You must care about it enough. Cry. That's what he used to describe prayer here. Cry. Back to the, to the example of Jesus. Look at how we prayed in the garden. Are you, are, you more, are you a better prayer person than Jesus? Are you better at praying than Jesus? What does it do to you when you see how Jesus prayed? What does it do to you? That he was in the garden, he fell on the ground. And I'm not trying to be religious. I'm not trying to say there must always be a posture. But if... Prayer has never touched you enough to change your posture. You're always standing put, standing still. You never kneel. You never roll on the floor. You never lie. And even when, you, you are, when you're kneeling, you, you want to sleep. You want to escape. <laughs> you know, we learned all those things in family devotion in the house. <laughs> ah, African Chronicles. You just kneel down. First and foremost, the first rule is when you kneel down, you must intensify head movements. <laughs> Because the logic is, if you kneel down and you don't do that, they'll say, stand up, you are, you are, they will catch you. But you will do as if the prayer is about to enter another level. That's why. So when they see your head moving, they don't know that. <laughs> and then when you just enter sleep like this, somehow you are still conscious. The moment you hear footsteps, <laughs> See, this emotional aspect of prayer, it trumps all the principles of prayer. It trumps all. There are many postures of prayer that are not necessary. Listen, if you get the emotion right, every other thing will align. Do you know the Bible never taught once that we should close our eye and pray? In fact, in the Bible, people opened their eye more and lifted. <laughs> all the, most of the things we do in our day are actually contrary to what was done in the Bible. 
In the Bible, most people who bowed their head, bowed their head out of sin consciousness. <laughs> Righteousness consciousness will make you lift your head to heaven. <laughs> but anyway, I'm not just saying, you don't... These things vary from culture to culture. The most important thing is the heart, all right? So don't let's get into that. But the fact is this, even fasting, the first person that fasted, that we know of, didn't say, okay, so I want to go on a 30-day fast. It was passion, compassion. When Moses saw what the children of Israel were doing, he just went up, put his head between, you know, just knelt there 40 days. It's not as if he was counting time. It was the need that was greater than the appetite. Do you understand what I'm saying? So when you say, okay, now I'm going to fast, that's okay. And it's good to train yourself. But sometimes you must immerse yourself in what you are trying to accomplish so much that the appetite for food, you suppress it. Some of you only know that when you have a heartbreak. But when you really want something, you want to stir up something spiritual, that's when food will be calling for attention. You know, so maybe you need to immerse yourself more. Throw yourself into it. As Jesus, you know, just told his friends, and some of you, when you're going through that kind of emotional struggle, you don't even know how to excuse yourself. Jesus was not like that. He told his friends, the disciples, my soul is exceedingly sor sorrowful. Watch here, wait for me, and wait with me. He went further. The Bible says when he moved further from them, he fell on the ground. That was his first posture. Like he, was, he had been waiting. His heart was heavy. People were around. So he, he couldn't wait to get to the prayer room. As soon as he got there, he fell to the ground. Released himself. The sweat changed. The capillaries felt it. Something was happening. Some emotional struggle was happening. And he prayed. The disciples had been praying before. When they saw Jesus pray, they said, teach us how to pray. Teach us how to pray. Because his, his posture was different. The, everything was different about how he prayed. And guess what? When he was teaching them how to pray, guess the first thing he mentioned? Our Father. So that's, that's the first thing you need to immerse yourself in. And the consciousness of the emotional tie that you have with the person to whom you are praying. He, he, he loves you. Immerse yourself. James chapter 5. I know you know it. James chapter 5 verse 16 corroborates it. It says, confess your trespasses one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. It says, the effectual. See, this is what you need to realize. So, to this church, what I'm emphasizing is not prayer per se. But you see, prayer in the Bible is qualified. It didn't say the prayer of a righteous man avails much. It says the effectual, fervent. Are you getting this? 
that's what you need to learn. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The Greek word translated avails much means prevailed. It was the same Greek word used in Acts 19.20. So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. So you want to prevail in prayer, you're talking about prevailing prayer, the type of prayer that works, that actually changes things, not just to pray to appease the guilt you feel when you don't pray, but you want to actually change things, there's a way to pray. Effectual, fervent. There's a way. And then he used the example of Elias. He said, it was a man like you, subject to like passions as you are. The temptation not to be fervent, he experienced it too. He says, but he prayed earnestly. Are you with me? Come on, are you sleeping or you're here? He prayed earnestly. I like the Greek words translated prayed earnestly. (laughs) It was actually the same word used in two different tenses. The Greek words are prosikemai, prosik. So the same word in two different tenses. He prayed and English says, English translation says he prayed earnestly. That's not what he's saying. The literal translation says he prayed prayer. I know you pray. But today, I want you to pray prayer. Meaning you do it well. In the Greek, In those days, especially in Hebrew, there were no exclamation marks. So the way you emphasize is to use the word twice or thrice. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. In English, you would just put exclamation, holy. So it's a way of showing emphasis. So to emphasize emotions in prayer, he put it twice. He wants to talk about praying earnestly. He said he prayed, prayed. I don't just want you to pray today. I want you to pray, pray. Let it show in your tone, in your posture, that your heart and your mouth align. Are you ready for that? And like I said, if we pray in secret, God will reward us openly. Hallelujah. I want to do something prophetic. A young lady wearing black, right, white stripes. Don't worry, sorry. I hope some people don't like the spotlight. But I want to give you a prophetic opportunity. Say this with me. If I pray in secret, God will reward me openly. Hallelujah. Are you ready for that? Thank you, Jesus. God will reward me openly. Hallelujah. Everybody stand to your feet. We're not really going to pray for long. And if you're particular about the time, you haven't heard what I just said. You haven't heard what I just said. This time is for you. You know, when we're young, 
In prayer meetings like this, we used to, there are different gimmicks. And when you're tired, you say, I want to go to the toilet. Nobody has time to be following you. You are doing it for yourself. Jesus was revealing. He said, he watches all men. He said, if you do it with the wrong motives so that people will see you, you have your reward. He says, but if you shut yourself, there is a secrecy to it, a privacy to it, a consciousness that God sees the heart, knows the secret, and rewards openly. He says, that's the way to go. He rewards openly. Hallelujah. Oh, what things we often forfeit. What needless pains we bear. The songwriter said, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. You have, I'm giving you some time now. Make sure nothing distracts you. All right? Rise in favor. Some of you, your prayer will be the prayer like, like Hannah. You'll be vibrating, but nobody will really hear. But most of us, I expect, our prayer will be like Jesus. Jesus did not pray. Do you know how Jesus' prayers were recorded in the Bible? How did we know what Jesus prayed in John 17? Because he prayed out. Don't be whispering all the time. All right? Because if you want the prayer to do something in you, not just for you, talk out so that it will stir you up. Right now, there are many reasons why you may not want to pray and express yourself. Maybe you are tired. Your legs are tired. Huh? Elias was a man subject to, to like passions as you are. Your pastor is a man subject to like passions as you are. If you see anybody praying, it's not because they had a special grace. Elias prayed because despite all the reasons not to pray, he pushed beyond it. He said, but he prayed earnestly. He prayed prayer. Are you ready? Say with me, dear Jesus. Dear Father. Say with me, Abba. Daddy. As I pray now. Open my eyes to see. All that is mine. All that you have done for me. And with the consciousness of authority. I bring changes to my life. I bring changes to my walk with you. I bring changes to my health. I bring changes in the name of Jesus. Say, I put anxiety out of my life. I kick fear out of my life. As I pray now, I know that you are able to do exceeding abundantly above all that I ask all that I can imagine and so I pray knowing that you are a rewarder and that my reward will appear to all in the mighty name of Jesus begin to pray right now feel free to take a posture 
Remember to concentrate. Do it from your spirit. Do it from your heart. Feel free to make a list. You want to pray for mommy. You want to pray for daddy. You want to pray for your walk with God. Holy Ghost Day. listening. We are sure that you have been blessed. For inquiries, reach us on our helpline 0809-996-7000. Blessings.